This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, as well as WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Not so live in Chicago, but good to be with you this evening in Chicago. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Matt and Patrick here today. Hope you're having a good Friday. I hope it's going well for you. I have, I, Patrick, I've been running since like five this morning. I just, I, it's, ah, oh, boy. <laughs> one of those days, man. Uh, it relentless, relentless, I might say. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that one, even though I didn't quite get started that early today. You see, uh, it, it's always tight. I mean, I don't know how it is for you, for you guys, but it's always tight around the holidays. You got to do gifts. You got to do this. And I had like a litany of little things that popped up. I had to have an inspector come and take a look at a hot water heater. I had to have, go get a license for a dog. Uh, yeah, my, my, my daughter's visiting a college today, so I'm, I got to take care of everything. And <laughs> it is, it's, it's fun. And then of course, happy holidays. I got all that stuff to get, to get done too. So hope you're doing well. I've got a, a lot of stuff planned for myself for this week and I hope you have a good weekend no matter what you're doing once again. And, uh, as Hanukkah continues, happy Hanukkah to all those who are supporting 952-946-6205. 952 uh, There's a story up here in the Twin Cities, but I think it, it's relatable uh, across the board. Uh, and it has to do with the death of one of the remaining two typewriter repair shops in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Vail Typewriter. And, you know, I... I <laughs> okay, so I live in an interesting time in our country. When I started as a child, when, when I came on out ready for, for society and, and snarky cultural references, the typewriters we had, we didn't even have the, the – you know the ball typewriters where they had the thing where it was the electric and it was the ball and it spin around and hit wherever it needed to hit? Yeah, you know, yeah. Those were – I remember when those were introduced and everyone's like, hey, look at the new typewriter. <laughs> look at that. It looks pretty fancy, schmancy. I remember going to my dad's office one time and seeing the copying machine the size of basically uh, the space shuttle, you know, and it, it, you know, it got like four copies per minute. So, you know, quality stuff there. But I guess it was better than the, the, <laughs> the, the elderly lady that was in your, your school, you know, administrative office spinning that one wheel trying to get all the tests copied out on one, that, that roll of it thing that they used to have. Uh, the, you know, the, the modern day version of the printing press, which wasn't outdated at all, at all. I, I, it's funny to think about when I was a kid and I, you know, we took typing classes. I remember taking typing classes in like elementary school and, you know, re, re, dear grandmother, how are you? 
you know, the, the Civil War is going well, you know, that sort of thing. You know, the kind of this long, drawn-out, you know, more expansive discussion that you had. And, and I remember when computers started, I had my, – my brother-in-law had a computer and he's like, oh, come on over. You want to write letters? And so I would go write letters to my friends over in Ireland and these were thick, well-thought-out paragraph after paragraph – of, of, you know, of letters of, oh, how about the days in which we wander the world? <laughs> like a Ralph Waldo Emerson story. I mean, they were these deep, thick, wonderful letters that I'd, you know, dearest grandmother, the front has fallen and we're, we're having to withdraw from Fort Sumter. No, it, it was. <laughs> I remember how horrible it felt to get down to the bottom of a page of a typed piece of paper and then to make your first mistake. Oh, and by the way, to all those teachers who said, trust me, you're going to need to use this. You're going to need to know how to do a typewriter. So you know, it has to be perfect. You can't have any mistakes on it. Boy, spot on. Thank God we didn't invent something that basically used the keyboard but allowed us to correct things. You know, good thinking. Yeah, it, it was – I remember the ball typewriters. I remember I remember going into typing class and they're probably – today you'd, you wouldn't be able to have it because the noise in the classroom was, was um, you know, off the charts. I remember the computers coming out. I remember doing that. I remember emails. When the emails started back in the 90s, I was working for a radio station up in Bemidji, Minnesota. And that was where I had my first email. And once again – just you go back and look at an email from like 1994. My dearest grandmother, we've turned the tide at Gettysburg. You know, that, <laughs> these long paragraph, dear sir or madam, how kind it is for you to receive my electronic correspondence. Uh, nowadays, it's like, okay, uh, clown emoji, poop emoji, poop emoji, clown emoji. Oh, thanks, grandma. Okay, you know, it's, it's kind of changed a smidge. <laughs> Communication has kind of fallen off a little bit. Oh, oh, grandma, who doesn't love a good joke? You know, <laughs> eggplant emoji, what the hell? No, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, that was meant for someone else, apparently. No, we, are, we, we live in strange times, but to see this, I, mean, I almost kind of wonder if it was you know, was the guy working in the horseshoe shop looking outside and seeing the cars zip on by? You know, hey, horseshoe, wave. <laughs> the horse will come back, mind you. Everybody will have one. Who doesn't love going a, a good brisk four miles an hour at a trot and leaving droppings everywhere? It just sound of the times, man. And I don't. I mean, heck, I don't. I mean, Chicago. You gotta have what? Probably ten or fifteen typewriter repair people still left. But they're not long for this planet, are they? I mean, it, how long is it before someone shows up on a freaking antique roadshow with one of those electronic ball typewriters in mint condition? And you've got the you've got the instructional manual. Wow, that's worth forty thousand dollars. Really, really, really. You didn't use it ever. Well, you're not going to get used now. 
952-946-6205. It is interesting. Like I said, when I started off, we had phones that attached to walls. When I started off, you had you know if you if you screwed up on the final sentence of a, a typewritten page, you had to start all over again. Son of a, you know. It, I, I remember when when they first I fir- first discovered whiteout, and then you'd use whiteout, and then you'd get impatient because you were too tired to wait for the whiteout to to dry, and then all of a sudden you hit your typewriter and it's like you know all over the the paper, and I'm like okay that you know it's, it's kind of a light letter, but it still works. Acting like we had just made it to the moon. Oh, farewell, old typewriter. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Speaking of things with outdated parts, uh, funny story. Chicago, you're going to love this because uh, this is my first week here. Not only have I uh, shared with you the story of my my son um, as uh, he basically was uh, you know, uh, at, in Highland Park when the 4th of July shooting happened. But I have another story to share with you that is yeah, equally kind of sucky. Because one year ago, exactly today, today's the 8th, right? Yep, it's the 8th. One year ago today, I was driving home from the radio station. Um, I just left at 6 because I had recorded an interview with someone. And I was waiting in a traffic light and I heard... A split second, and I do mean a split second screeching of the tires, and a drunk driver hit me, and it broke my back. My T5, T6 were broken. I've, I'm part C3PO at this point. I got rods and screws in me, uh, and, and along with, a, with an, a replaced hip, too, so I'm really halfway on my way to being you know a Terminator robot. This is just great. I, I mean, those don't, I, I think I'll, I mean, at least I don't have to worry about uh, health care in my later years. But, oh well, I just have to get like an auto shop program or something like that. You know, it's like you know, three oil changes a year or something like that. Anyway, yeah, that sucked. And just for the record, and I don't want to say sucked. I want to say a few other choice words. I'll talk more about this coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. But I, I wanted to uh, – the, 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 this is just a reminder as I'm going through the holidays again right now of how really horrible this was. And I don't mean to to downplay um, – you know, this happening at any other time of the year, but it was kind of one of those things where, you know, it's I ju- we had just put up the Christmas tree. We had just put on that lights on the house. We had just done those things. And all of a sudden, I was only able to move with a walker. I had incredible limitations. And it was – that was a few dark weeks. I did do some radio shows drugged out of my gourd too. I mean, and that was – I mean, those are – Let's get those ready for the the, the Hall of Fame. Uh, the, the, those are going to be in when I get inducted. We're going to I'm going to just play those shows because it was it was kind of like free form, you know. Hello, me, what, mother, you know that sort of thing. Great stuff. I probably should not have been operating the heavy machinery that day. But I'll talk more about this in the next hour because it's 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 interesting to kind of come to the year anniversary of this. And there's so many things that I, I've learned about the system, learned about myself, and and have had to kind of just come to grips with. But much like earlier this week when I talked about my son in the, the 4th of July, I can't 
not just say the 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 most sincere thank you I possibly can to not only the people who um, stepped up and helped out and dropped off food and shoveled snow on the driveway and walked dogs and you know we're, we're what do you need us to do on any given moment. But as well, a lot of listeners, including back then, even before I'm here on WCPT, back in Chicago, we I've always had a lot of listeners in Chicago. Salute, guys! Um, and and I've I've really appreciated hearing from the the folks of Chicago. You guys have uh, been a big support already here. But from all the listeners um, in, in the Twin Cities, Chicago, and nationwide, and some international as well. Who sent me those nice notes? I that that kind of got me through a lot of it because that was hard, especially at the tail end of the COVID stuff. You know, we had just come out of this. I mean, as a matter of fact, it was funny because uh, you know, well, funny not funny and not in the ha ha sense. Uh, we had just my daughter had just torn her other ACL, her other one playing soccer. Which no, she's not playing soccer anymore. Nothing, nothing will stop your child from playing soccer after an ACL tear than hearing a nurse saying, yeah, I tore my, time, my ACL six times. I'm like, hey, you're done. We've just gotten done with that. And we're like, okay, thank gosh we're now done with this. Now we can just look forward to the holidays. Now, it was, it was tough. I, I will stand by this. I am alive today thanks to a Toyota Sienna. I will stand by that all day long. I'll take a break. Come back. We'll get into some news topics. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Friday, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um, let me get into the news here. And obviously one of the stories that we were, you know, we, I've been paying attention to is what happened down in Texas. And just before anyone – we get into this. I want to make sure I, I, I talk about when it comes to women's rights to abortion. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that's probably going to shock you. Uh, but personally, myself, only myself, me, myself, and I, personally against abortion. Now, that's kind of where it ends. My wife and I would have a discussion about something, but at the same time, last time I checked, I can't have one. A baby, that is. I can have a wife. Shock of that is, too. But I, 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 I can't have a baby. So I'm not going to... He-Man Woman Hater Club, you got to do what I say, woman. I'm not doing that. No, that's <laughs> – no, that's not who I am. Um, also, I will I, – I, I, you know, and people will say, you know, I'll have, uh, you know, Republicans who, who kind of get icky. I mean, like really icky. Like, well, what if your daughter gets pregnant? <laughs> Well, first of all, if my daughter got pregnant, you can make an argument. I've already kind of failed the whole parenting thing to a point as it, in some capacity. But, you know, I will give them my advice. I will give them my support. And I'm going to let them make their own damn decision. Because, once again, you're going to do what I say, woman, ain't really a good policy. Now, that's individual. My mentality about this goes the same way. You'd make your own choice on this planet. That's It's not my job to tell you what to do and what not to do. 
You make your own choice and you be comfortable with it. And that's, and as long as you're cool with it, be cool with it. And that's that. Now, that being said, it does disgust me to no end the amount of Republicans in this country who will scream that there should not even be any exceptions at all for rape or incest or the life of the mother. And they feel as if there's some sort of nuanced Christianity mentality with this. When They couldn't be more further from the truth. There is nothing Christian about telling a woman who might have three or four kids already, telling those kids, guess what? Mom has to die because the baby inside her is already dead, and if she carries it to term, she's going to die. But because I'm a white guy who has no medical experience whatsoever, but just pandering to politicians and my, my base— She's she needs to die because Jesus wants her to die. That is just that's just garbage. That is just a garbage. That is taking a religion based on love, peace, caring and compassion and turning into a weapon of hate. And, you know, I understand you 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 think a Republican thinks that the the dad's going to take the kids into a room and we'll pray, please. I mean, it's it, it we, we should be a little more than 2000 years from the time when someone like this happened, then they say, well, she's been cursed by a wind or something of that nature. Nature, I, I think we, we kind of learn, oh, no, here's what the problem is, and we can fix it, and she can live, and she might be able to have more babies. It's just this one is not – this pregnancy is not working out, and, you know, so the choice is, since we already know that the, the, the fetus is going to die, does the mother die too? And Republicans will scream, yep, kill her, right in front of the kids, right in front of the kids. So Christian. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. It's disturbing to me. And of course, the rape and incest, which the way that they deal with this is even more disturbing. They basically insist it just doesn't happen. Even when you have cases of rape or incest right in front of their face, they would rather insist the rape or incest victim is lying because of the the, the sweet, sweet abortion benefits versus actually taking their crime seriously. Yeah, you're 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 you guys have screwed up your religion horribly. I'm just someone has to tell you it. Some on the Republican side you've screwed this thing up horribly. It doesn't stop them though. And nowhere is this more apparent than in the dumb 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 state of Texas. Here we go. A Texas judge has granted permission for an abortion to a woman whose fetus has a fetal abnormality despite the state's ban on the procedure. The ruling, which Texas may challenge, is thought to be one of the first attempts to seek a court-granted abortion. Texas law prohibits pregnancy terminations except to save the life of the expectant mother. Abortion advocates argue the exception is too vague and puts women at risk. At this argument is Katie Cox, a 31-year-old mother of two from the Dallas area who's currently 20 weeks pregnant, the fetus has been diagnosed with trisomy 18, a uh, chromosomal disorder. In the majority of cases, the condition results in the miscarriage, stillbirth, or the death of the baby within the first year of life. Notable trisomy 18 survivors include U.S. Senator Rick Santorum's 15-year-old daughter. According to a lawsuit, Mrs. Cox physicians told her the hands are tied as long as the baby had a heartbeat because of the state abortion ban. It's not a matter if I will have to say goodbye to my baby, but when, said Ms. Cox in a statement, I'm trying to do what's best for my baby and myself, but the state of Texas is making us both suffer. 
Doctors have told the continuing the pregnancy poses a risk to her health and potentially her ability to carry another child. Says Ms. Cox, she's already had to visit the emergency room four times because of pain and discharge her doctors have set. Katie Cox needs an abortion, and she needs it now, her petition reads. On Thursday, Travis County District Judge Maya Guerrera-Gamble granted that request, handing down a temporary restraining order allowing Ms. Cox to terminate her pregnancy and protecting her doctor from civil and criminal pen- penalties if she performs the procedure. The idea that Ms. Cox wants desperately to be a parent and this law might actually cause her to lose that ability is shocking would be a general miscarriage of justice. I, I don't know if you've seen the, any of the video of this Judge Gamble. There definitely seems to be a, what in the hell are you people doing? And once again, this is a, pretty much, for the most part, a bunch of white Republican men, most of whom have zero medical experience inserting themselves these same people and 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 by the way this never gets old uh actually it does it's it's horrible but it's the same people who back in 2021 when the vaccines came out out for covid kept screaming when people said i'm not going to get one i'm going to just put ivermectin up my backside you said stop trying to put yourself between you and your doctor yeah, you you should be have the rights to make your own choices. Same exact people. Same exact people. We need to put ourselves between the patient and their doctors. Same exact people. Their hypocrisy knows no ends. And their dis- distortion of Christianity knows no ends either. Um the idea that Mrs. Cox wants desperately to be a parent and this uh, you know cause her to lose her ability is shocking would be a general miscarriage of justice. Lawyers for the state may hire ask a court to block it, and the court order was issued. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who is just a massive douche, sent a letter to three hospitals where Mrs. Cox's doctor had admitting privileges. In it, he threatened to prosecute anyone who is involved in providing the emergency abortion to Ms. Cox, saying that he believes she failed to prove she qualifies for one. Once again, not a doctor. Mr. Paxton said Judge Gamble's order will not insulate hospital doctors or anyone else from civil or criminal liability for violating Texas' abortion laws. At the hearing, Jonathan Stone, the Texas Attorney General's office, argued that Mrs. Cox does not meet the elements to qualify for a medical exception. The lawyer for the Center for Pre-Production of Rights, which represented Ms. Fox, accused Mr. Paxton of fear-mongering. And basically, that's what they are trying to do. Thank God we do not live in Texas. Take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Broadcasting in Chicago in the evenings, WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul, live in the afternoon, AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Friday, 952-946-6205. How about, by the way, going back to the, the abortion story, how about Ken Paxton basically saying, I don't care what the courts say, I'm going to make sure this does not happen. I, you know, I don't know where the federal investigation into that jackass is, but he should, you know, something should happen there. I, at the same time, I can't help people that live in a state that they keep electing people that are going to take away their rights and, and, and not have 
you know, heat on in winter that's or air conditioning on in summer. You know, I can't help you guys. You guys keep voting for these idiots. And the only reason you do is because they keep telling you, well, you keep better voting for us because even though we've never delivered for you in 50 years, we'd still be better than the Democrats. Would they? I don't think they would be. I'm pretty sure they would be a lot worse than the Democrats, but you keep you keep voting for them. I live in Minnesota where I'm at right now. I've, I've got um, – uh, my, my my governor's Democrat. All the state offices are Democrat. My two senators are Democrat, Klobuchar and Smith. I've got uh, you know a, a Democratic House member. You know my my local Minnesota House and senator are both Democrats. I, I, I can't do anymore. I mean I, that's you have to do it where you're at. But you know you keep putting guys like Ken Paxton. I mean I think about the. I'm going to make sure this woman dies or at the very least doesn't have a chance at ever having a baby again. And if that was to happen, do you think that – do you think in any capacity that Ken Paxton would 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 take any responsibility? As a matter of fact, I actually starting to wonder why in the world we haven't had more of a case of, of – you know, at some point, I think someone's going to sue a state and say, hey, I wanted to get an abortion. They told me I couldn't. I'm stuck. I am poor. I don't have any other family. The husband of the child is a rapist. They made me carry the baby. The state owes me to take care of this child. And a court's going to come back and say, you know what? Yeah, the state inserted themselves into that woman's life. And I guarantee you this. If that ever does happen, if there's ever a lawsuit where basically the state is culpable for the cost of upbringing that child, these Republicans can will will run back to Capitol to basically make sure that that, that basically the laws are written that, that women can get the choice because they don't want the state to have to cover 18 years of cost of raising a kid, even though they sure they sure can't stop forcing other people to do so even when they don't want to. Uh, it should be mentioned there is. Um, uh, a new study out here that uh, uh, Illinois and Minnesota are two of the highest destination states for people to get an abortion. Um, you know, the highest state is New Mexico. South Carolina is also high, but it, it, high too. But it, they weren't at a really big number to begin with, so it didn't take much for them to get a higher number of outstate abortions coming in. New Mexico is a lot, and I think it's a lot of people going from Texas over to New Mexico. But in Minnesota, Illinois, we both are seeing major increases here. The share of out-of-state patients traveling to Minnesota for an abortion tripled between 2020 and 2023, a new analysis said. The report released on Thursday by the Guttmacher Institute is the latest indicator of how the 2020 U.S. Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade is reshaping abortion access. More than twice as many people crossed state lines for abortion care in the first half of 2023 compared with similar period in 2020 when abortion was legal nationwide. Other states um, boarding those with strict abortion limits saw big increases as well. That would uh, a slight increase from 2020 when the state report found that about 27 percent of the 12,175 abortion performs in the state of Minnesota were for patients outside of the state of Minnesota. It's now up to 30 percent. So it's in the same numbers, same situation down in Illinois. As a matter of fact, it's actually a bigger percentage now in Illinois would be the case. Um, so, yeah, it's it is. This, you know, it, it, do not think for yourself for one second. This abortion issue, the Republicans are done with it. They want to desperately, desperately 
force this issue on everybody. The guys like Ken Paxton get his jollies off by basically killing women who are going to die if they don't have an abortion. He thinks that that's just, that's what Jesus wants. What an idiot. But this is the world we live in, man. And I can't do anything, Texas, I can't do anything to help you guys. You guys need to get, you know, you need to start understanding the reason why your lives suck in Texas is because you keep voting for freaking Republicans. And if you start voting for Democrats, guess what? You might start getting rights back. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Do you have that audio here from Heartland Signal? Of course, Heartland Signal is a fantastic news outlet. Uh, it is the news outlet for our station in Chicago, WCPT 820. Uh, they actually have a story here. Now, this is, this is, is going to be an audio clip of two Minnesota uh, Senate leaders. These are two Minnesota, how, Minnesota, state of Minnesota Senate leaders from there. But the point of this is just... You're, you're going to love it because, once again, it's not about Christian values. It's not about anything else. There is a very sinister plot about what's going on with Republicans uh, in this day and age. Well, uh, when, if you get the chance, go ahead. Let's play that Heartland Signal audio. We need to make sure that we're giving tax cuts to families, make life more affordable. You know, uh, Representative Robbins just talked about how much more expensive it is for Minnesota families. That's what we've done in this in this previous budget. That's what Democrats have done in this previous budget. We need to start turning that around. Isn't that, aren't the free meals exactly what you're talking about? That's helping families, isn't it? It's helping some families. You're right. But we already had something in place for that. We need to make sure that education for our kids is top-notch in this nation, investing that way. You know, the meals, we'll see what, what academic. I know the governor was very high on, on the different ways that it's going to produce academic outcomes. But we need to we need to take a peek at okay that's four hundred million dollars plus a year uh, that's going to that program is that going to have the impact that we really want is it going to change it from what it was before we'll see what that looks like but you know we're really concerned about having nation nation leading education in this in this country but the tax the lunchbox tax cut the people that um, make a lot of money that didn't qualify for the free and reduced lunch previously the the Wealthy families got that lunchbox tax cut. I'm sorry, but all the, all the low-income students who need and we want to provide, make sure no one goes hungry, they were getting it through the free and reduced lunch program. This gave it to free, free lunch to all the wealthy families. So that's a place I think we need to look at. Is that really a priority that um, all the families of means who um, could make their child's lunch and can afford their child's lunch do they need to get free lunch? I'm not sure, but it's something we need to take a look at. So uh, that that lunchbox tax cut was for the wealthy. Okay, those two idiots are Senator Senate leaders Mark Johnson and Kristen Robbins, Robbins uh, Republicans in Minnesota, and and you know they're they're twisting themselves into knots, trying trying to find some way to argue. That, you know, so, okay, some kids might go hungry, but you know what? It's better for kids to go hungry, even if it's just a handful of them. As long as, as long as the wealthy aren't taxed and, and, and they and they try that word salad at the end, like, how dare we give this to wealthy people too? Yeah. No, the problem they have is that they don't want the wealthy people taxed on this. 
the point of this, it's not about necessarily diving deep into Minnesota politics. It's it's basically just another example of the failure of the Republican Party on a lot of levels, on, on an insane amount of levels, the failures here. Um, you, you, okay, first of all, let's let's – so Christian, by the way, Gospel of Matthew. Now, once again, religious disclaimer, you do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. I'm Christian. Gospel of Matthew, feed the hungry. Doesn't say anything else. Feed the hungry unless they're wealthy. No, it doesn't say that. It just says feed the hel- feed the people. That's all it says is feed people. That's all it says is feed the hungry. Direct teaching from Jesus. You know the guy that makes the – you know those first six letters of Christianity? That's Christ. Uh, yeah, Christ, six. Uh, those for the, that, that's for Jesus. So what you would think that of people who basically have based a religion on what the guy said, I know, uh, you know, nitpicking. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you based a religion on that, you'd think that what the guy said would have some relevance. And he just said to feed people. Um, this idea that somehow, some way, that they're the same people who who scream about Christian values all the time, all of a sudden are like, well, feeding hungry kids. And do we really need to be doing that? Yeah, I could care less. Give them a damn sandwich. I, I could care less. I could care less. Give, if they're hungry, give them a sandwich. Done. And, you know, the thing which is interesting is you, if you heard uh, Johnson there, he tries to make the argument, he tries to – Trying to say it's like we think there are going to be better ways, but he even admits that we haven't seen the outcome of this program because it just started. And so as opposed to even waiting to see if this you know, feeding of all the people does indeed improve test scores in this, he doesn't even want to see that even though he alludes to we haven't seen the results of it. They just want to stop it. And now, mind you, also, I will make this argument if you've got kids. <laughs> Funny story. I had three. Dude, that is a huge tax cut you just gave me. And it might not be a traditional tax, but the fact that I don't have to pay for my kids' school lunch, you know, that's that's basically like $800 a year. $800, $900 a year that I do not have to pay. That's money in my pocket. Thank you very much. If you've got four kids, that's for every kid. That's a heck of a cut, man. And trust me, don't think for one second that the Republicans, if they cut this program, would dis, you know distribute this money down to everyone getting the same money back. No, of course not. As a matter of fact, They'd probably make it to where most people, even the the kids where they want to, they, they, they need help with money. Well, you still have to pay a little bit here. Which brings up the, so what, what is the real point here for them? I mean, if it's not religion, because even though they scream about the religion all the time, it's clearly not religion because they're going directly against direct teachings of Jesus, who said for everyone to feed everyone. If it's not a failure in the program because the program hasn't had been in place for long enough for them to see if the results are working, they just want to kill the program. And if it's not necessarily about, you know, where wealthy wealthy families are getting this too, well, then the wealthy families are getting a massive tax break too. What is the problem for them on this? And it's that last comment from, uh, you know, Senator Ditsy there, uh, Robbins, when – 
she goes out there and says they don't need it. They don't need this tax break, which, by the way, is there anything funnier than listening to a Republican talk about why are we giving wealthy people tax cuts? Dude, you need to go look at your party because that's all. That is all your party has done the last in any state. Tax for the cuts for the wealthy. Tax cuts for the wealthy. That's how you start. That's how you in, you insane economic morons start every discussion. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to cut the budget by not taking money from the wealthy people, and then we have to make cuts in the programs. It's a bad policy. There's the reason why you, you guys are failing economically horribly. But it's that last point. What The problem for the Republicans is this, is everyone's equal. They can't stand that. They can't stand that. This is not necessarily a call. You know, some people are going to sit there and it's like Matt's calling for you know, it's a call for socialism. No, I, there are some elements of I think like you know the healthcare systems that works better in in more socialist countries. Absolutely, people not being saddled with a lifetime of debt with medical care. I think there are some things there, but no, this is not about that. This is just about doing the right thing. And making sure kids don't have to worry about whether where they're going to get their food. No, this has far more to do with for Republicans. They can't stand the idea that everyone's treated equally because their entire system, their entire system is based on the haves and the have-nots. And they can't stand when the have-nots have the same rights as the haves. And so that's what's really going on here. No, you know, this is just it. I'm just so tired of the Republicans and 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 what they are doing. It is just disgusting. It's the Matt McNeil show. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Friday. Good to be with you today. 952-946-6205. I I just got into a conversation today about, you know, the fear of violence. Because there are some, I mean, so there's a guy out there uh, who basically has placed himself over country, has placed himself at the top of a political party who basically has people who are willing to be his loyal cult members and he keeps telling people, someone needs to go out there and shut those people up. Yep, that's a little bit of a concern. It is delicious watching the, the, the January 6th conspirators blubber, blubber. When they're said, it's like, how could you hold me accountable for my own actions? You know, I... I don't know. It's just how the legal system works. But there is a lot of people, as we are on the uh, the um, precipice of 2024, a lot of people are starting to say that they're concerned about how things are going to go next year. Former members of Congress are deeply concerned about political violence ahead of the 2024 presidential election, said former Senator, some former Senator Doug Jones of Alabama and former Representative Barbara Comstock of Virginia at a joint appearance this week sponsored by the Liberal Center for American Progress and the nonpartisan McCain Institute. Jones, a moderate Democrat who lost re-election in 2020, and Comstock, a moderate Republican who was defeated in 2028 or 2018, rather, 
said increased acceptance of political violence is visible across the political spectrum, but they laid much of the blame at former President Trump and his supporters, which it's the truth. An October poll from the Public Religion Research Institute, a Washington-based independent research organization, found that 23% of respondents believe that because things have gotten so far off track, true American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save the country. Wow. That represented an increase from 15% in 2021. It's the first poll in eight times the group has asked a question which has seen support above 20%. One-third of Republicans and 46% of people who believe the 2020 election was stolen from Trump, agreed with the statement, agreed that we might need to start shooting your neighbor, might need to start hanging people in the town square. Wow. Comstock noted that anti-Semitism in some elite college campuses also represented a disturbing trend, and Jones described the growing acceptance as violence across the board. The country seems to be splitting down the middle politically with each side believing the other is a threat to democracy. You know, there was a, out in California. Was it in Berkeley? Where the woman had a rainbow flag out in front of her store. Rainbow flag. One rainbow flag. And the guy went and killed her. They are willing to accept some violence to protect democracy, he said. The problem is, is that when you're trying to overthrow a legitimate election, you're not so much on the side of democracy, but the, the other side of things. That's kind of your problem. But they think that they are defending democracy. And once again, if I can say this, because we don't say this enough, can any of these people explain to me that when the far-right loonball Republican was elected on the ballot, how that race was legitimate? It's just the top of the ballot was the illegitimate one, that we don't need to undo the Senate or House race that put far-right loonball in office, but just the presidential race, because that question itself was was the invalid one. Funny story, they they don't really have an answer to that one. Trying to bridge between those two camps who would take up arms against each other for vastly different reasons, but all the name of the saving democracy really is, I think, a road to disaster potentially. They've, uh, made, uh, they've suggested the most direct and intentional threats appear to be coming from Trump and the movement he leads. Jones, who is a U.S. attorney who prosecuted cases involving anti-black violence before his election to the Senate, and said there are politicians who continue to use dog whistles or coded language their supporters understand as endorsements of violence. Some leaders who use passionate rhetoric don't necessarily mean to inspire violence, he said, but others do so intentionally, he added, making an indirect or unmistakable reference to Trump. Look, I believe there is some there is some in this who will go on name, but initials are DT, who have intent. And I think they had it before. I think they know they're exactly what they're saying. Exactly. Trump knows exactly what he's doing. How do we look at that, he said? How do we talk when we get political leaders that are out there who are literally calling for the execution of the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who are calling their political opponents vermin and he need to be exterminated? This is a clear sign to folks. Trump used those languages in New Hampshire rally last month. Um, he said, we pledge that we'll root out the communist Marxist fascists and the radical left thugs who that live like vermin within the confines of this country. Very Nazi. Very, gosh, very, very Nazi. Trump's unfounded claims of election fraud, which inspired the attack. And by the way, funny story, Wisconsin, don't know if you saw this. Every one of those fake electors now admits, oh, no, we knew Biden won. Biden won that election. So these are all just lies. Anyway, before I get to the end of the show, let me just take a few thoughts here. 
I honestly think I well, first of all, I'm gonna say this. I do think there is going to probably be some level of violence at some point here, whether that's you know, someone shooting up a college campus or going to a, a media outlet or or shooting up a, a Democratic candidate's office or something of that nature. I think that that is going to happen. I, I just – you cannot have the amount of encouragement, outright encouragement from the cult leader and not expect some members of the cult to at, take up arms. Case in point, what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband? Directly – Inspired by far right rhetoric, mentally you know incompetent individual, mentally compromised, inspired by far right rhetoric. How much we see, I think, comes down to, to to. I think there's going to be two different paths. I think in the lesser violent path, that and I'm not. This is I just. I think this goes away when Trump does go away. Now. If he loses the election and decides he's going to move to Russia to basically hide from his crimes, that's that that might be it there. But, you know, one way or the other, if he eventually does, he will eventually pass away. It's not Futurama. There's no heads in jars. You know, it's, you know, eventually pass away. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are all of a sudden going to be like, well, I, I, I wasn't that crazy. Or the other way where I think it's going to be more widespread violence. But I still don't think at the end of the day it's going to succeed. And as a matter of fact, one of the things which will be the offset of that is that pretty much all these people will lose everything. And it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be people who are going to be targeted and victimized and attacked. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. But these people are going to lose everything. I mean everything. And, you know, then all of a sudden these people will show some remorse, but not until then. Uh, talk to you later. Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. Hour 2 of the show here on your Friday. Good to be with you, Matt and Patrick. 952-946-6205. Uh, Patrick, yesterday we talked about Representative Mary Franzen, and this is the uh, in regards to the flag. And once again, it, it's what was – I'm going to see if I can find this really quick. Uh, it was a a post. Uh, well, one guy basically made this comment. He said, her statement couldn't be more clear. It's a weak person emulating what she thinks a strong person might sound like. By color, others weak. She hopes that other bullies who know who they are will wrap their virtual arms around her and protect her from her own fears. Wow. I thought that was, yeah, someone got a little truth going on there. Um, you know, it's it's, you know, someone mentioned that she's, you know, some problems she's had with her neighbor, which is pretty funny. But as well, it's someone made the point. It's it just is. Of course, they were going to. This was they're going to be their goal. This is what they wanted to do. This is who they are because you know just they they have to find fake villains to attack. But I will say one thing about our comments about this. And once again, here's the the statement she made. This is in regard to the flag. Just make it a snowflake and we'll be done. The state is made up of very, very, very weak people. The snowflake would symbolize that weakness. On behalf of Minnesota, screw you. Uh, and But at the same time, my point about this, which was this is this is a sad, sad person. I mean, a, a, a person who's happy with their life, a person who's who's got a lot of things going on, they don't make a statement like this. 
That, that, that's not this. And she, I, I think people are trying to defend it. I don't know if she's trying to defend it, but people are trying to defend it as like, she's really getting, she's goading all you people. It's like, no, no, no. Even if you were goading, you wouldn't say it like this. This is just bitterness and anger. And I, and I, I have said this to all you Republicans, especially the Republicans who live in Minneapolis, who constantly vilify the city. Why are you here? Why? Mary, why are if I take the intent of this post the way I'm taking it, why are you here? And I'm saying this, I know you don't think this is the case. I am saying this as someone who is willing to honestly talk to you about the fact that you clearly are not happy. At least that's the intent I and many other people are taking from this post. I don't know where your happy place is, Florida or Texas or Wyoming or Alaska. I don't know. But you have got one life. We all have one life. What are you doing living anywhere you're not happy? What are you doing doing a job you're not happy doing? What are you doing being around people you don't want to be around? Go find your happy place. And I say this with all intent. We will not miss you. It's no one here is keeping you here. If you are truly this miserable, and I'm sorry, this post makes me really feel as if you are that miserable. If you truly are that miserable, then for goodness sakes, go find some your happy place. You need to go find your happy place because it's clearly not here. And no, you're not owning the libs. No, dude, you don't just go on out there and say the state is made up of very, very, very weak people. The one guy pulling out the fact that, you know, you're, you're just you're hoping all the bullies come rush to your defense. I don't know. But that's, you know, <laughs> I can't wait for you to have to eat that line over and over again when the House and the Senate get back into session. Because I guarantee you people are going to bring it up there, you know, trembling flower. So as I mentioned in the 4 o'clock hour, today is the day, man. One year. One year. I, I am kind of... Having a bit of a, of, 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 of a lot of emotions. I'm having a lot of emotions about it. And like I said, it, it, it's, I just recorded an hour with Pilot. And after we recorded the hour with Pilot, we basically – I left the station, drove up uh, Valley View, went up to 494, went on the Crosstown heading eastbound. I was at a traffic light there, split second of sound, split second of sound of someone hitting the brakes and they slammed into me between 35, 40 miles an hour. And I'm dead serious when I say this is not an ad campaign, people. The the structural integrity of that Toyota Sienna saved my life. I have zero doubt that not only did they save my life, but the reason why I my my I could very easily have been in a wheelchair, paralyzed from from the midpoint of my back down. I could be very easily in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I think the Toyota Sienna. I mean, they're designed to take a wallop. Holy. God, did that thing take a wallop. I remember going and looking at the car after uh, we had to clear everything out of it because it got totaled. You know, it it did its job. Um, I remember looking at it and it not really registering how much damage. Uh, the, the car comes in basically three sections. 
And if you're hit flush from behind, basically the, the sections are designed to take the, the, the blunt of the force. The back seat, um, the, the back section was completely crushed. The midsection was bent pretty good too. But the front section where I was sitting was, you know, um, you know, relatively intact. And so, you know, you know, it, it really was remarkable um, how that that car, what that car did. And I, yeah, I'll own one for the rest of my life. I will. Safest vehicle I've ever been in. I um, I remember walking, having a walker. I remember it was early December. Snowflakes were starting to fly as I left the hospital, and my doctor looked at me and says, "You can not fall." You cannot fall. You just cannot fall. You cannot fall. And think about that as you're walking outside and snowflakes are starting to come down right at the beginning of this. I couldn't really walk anywhere. I remember I, my cousins came into town right around New Year's. And that was – and we went over to the, 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 the Como Zoo and the conservatory and that was the biggest outing I'd had up to that point. I, would, I remember being so freaking exhausted after that. Uh, we went and log- looked at the flowers and, and I hiked around. I had the back brace on. Um, like I said, uh, broke T5, T6. So I've got uh, rods and screws in T4 and T7 that are holding my back together and – I just I remember how exhausted I was just moving around after that. I I was drugged out. I did some shows. I probably should not have done some radio shows back then. And I, you know, thanks to everyone here at the station, I'll I'll, I'll say that because we very quickly, um, you know, Todd Nicholson came in and filled in very quickly, and I appreciate Todd doing that for us. Um, we 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 were able to hook up the system at my house and at least got us up to the point where. We had enough of the best of shows or the brand new to you shows recorded, and we got out of the station and we we, we you know basically hunkered down for the for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the holidays. I remember I remember coming back with the, when the first time I came back to the station. I think it was sometime in January. I could not remember the door code, which tells you. I mean, I'd been through a few things. I couldn't walk outside, not in winter. I mean, I, I got to a point where late winter last year, I had crampons and I would put those on and I was able to kind of, it, it gave me the stability I needed uh, outside. But, you know, without those, I wouldn't have gone outside. And even though with those, you're only as good as, I, you know, on ice as, as you can be. I remember each individual hurdle of, okay, you can start walking again. And to the fine folks at the Adina Dome, uh, which is Bramar Dome, they call it Bramar Dome. I call it the Adina Dome. It is off of Valley View in 169. I I was going over there, and I remember walking my first mile. I remember walking eventually two miles. I remember enjoyed walking there more. And nothing against you guys at the Y. I enjoy the Y, but the track at the Y was much smaller, and so it got redundant. I literally I bought. If you know baseball, do you know a pitch count thing? In baseball, I bought one of those just so I could keep track of the 50 laps I had to do to do three miles on that small track because I kept losing track of, am I on 32 or 42? Couldn't remember. Um, I remember when they, they let me start lifting again, which has been nice. I also think I'll, I do I do lift weights, and I think part of the reason why I was able to sustain this with – just the minimal damage I had was because I had you know muscle mass built up. And as a matter of fact, my doctor actually said that. He said, 
you know, you had muscle mass built up. That's why I was able to do that. I remember the insane amount of people reaching out to me, people I hadn't heard from in years, calling me. Metza calls me and just in just in you know, we ended up talking for about thirty minutes. Just how, how are you doing? How are you getting through this? All this stuff. Michael Broadcorp reached out very quickly. Um, you know, how are you doing? Um, how are you going? Um, I had politicians. I had you know other people. The amount of friends bringing food over and stuff like that. It, it was it was very touching and very dear and sincere. I remember Jack Jack Rice. I called Jack and I said I need. I think I need someone uh, personal injury lawyer. And he gave me a name right away because he's a defense lawyer. He's not a personal injury lawyer. He's a defense lawyer. Uh, a woman named Lindsay Keller, who is phenomenal. And I, I mean, and I do, and I, and I, Lindsay Keller was phenomenal. Phenomenal. She knew insurance. And by the way, I'm going to say this to anyone out there if you are in an impersonal injury situation, you need to have someone who can navigate insurance. Because that is the most messed up freaking industry in this country, whether that's medical insurance, auto insurance. Holy God, what a messed up system that is. I got a front row view for this whole thing. And I just feel like it, 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 it's to a point hard to wrap your head around at how bad they were at communicating, keeping track of things, how in the medical side, you know, you would get a bill – for the one type of x-ray, then you get a bill for the second type of x-ray, and then you get a bill for the guy that looked at the x-ray. Seriously, you get the, you get a, a bill from the emergency room. You get a bill from the doctors in the emergency room. You get a bill from the nurses and support staff in the, nursery, in the, in, in the emergency room. I will never forget being in the hospital and watching and, and friend, fans of classic television – I turned on it turned on TV and I just sitting there and I was depressed and I was I was depressed because this this is hard it was hard and the Woody's wedding episode of Cheers was on. and if you've not seen that that is one of the greatest all time episodes of any TV show ever it is hilarious up and down the whole thing the whole thing is just spectacular and absolutely perfect and I actually laughed I I I turned towards religion we had a a wonderful uh, pastor, uh, spiritual leader over at the hospital who was phenomenal, and then um, uh, Father, uh, you know, Pastor Jason uh, at Westwood uh, came to our house and sat down and talked with us, and was a guiding compass for me personally and my wife. And coming through this, my kids were phenomenal going through this. You know, trying to to cover as much stuff as possible. Um, I'm still not there. Still not there. I watched the court system. I don't want to say it. Did it fail me? It did. I don't feel it held the the driver to the level of punishment it should have been. I'm not looking for someone to be going to jail for life by any means. But I saw, you know, second on the screwed up list, you know, further back than insurance, but the, the legal system and the way that they they factor how much they're going to go after justice, I think, is a little bit flawed, to say the least. I have I, – I was talking to my wife this weekend. We went out and uh, 
was it Minnewashta, Lake Minnewashta Park, where we were hiking out there. And she said, asked me one of the things which was different. I said, before I worked out more for vanity, and now I definitely work out for necessity. I'm 55. I've got to make it to retirement. I've got to make it to this point where I'm going to be okay. I'm going to have at least, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, <laughs> if the Republicans don't take it all away from us. I got to get to that point. And so now I don't look at I don't look at this as a you know as kind of one of those things where I just want to look good. I look at this as a I've got to survive. And whereas on some things I have come back and am basically at the same point I was beforehand. On a lot of things I haven't, not yet. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to get back to that. And that's humbling. That's very humbling. I do have occasionally the the a little jolt of pain or something like that in my back that I don't know if it's necessarily the the back saying, what the heck's with the rods and screws? Or if it's just I haven't moved a muscle in some way. Usually it's not like I'm, you know, you know, you know, doing a trapeze act or anything like this. I'll just like reach for a, you know, the the salt shaker and like, oh, I just kind of tweak tweak myself. I have a numb spot in the middle of my back that's never going to heal. That is a constant reminder of what happened. Yeah, it sucks. What I went through wasn't as hard as a lot of what other people have to go through. I keep that in mind. Doesn't mean it 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 was a breeze or a piece of cake. It's not what it was not on my game plan. It was not on my bingo card. Trust me when I say that. But I gotten through it. And doing this radio show has been a big key of being able to look forward to doing this every day. And I still look forward to doing this. The reason I brought up the 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 France and you know that that's a person that just when you read that tweet doesn't seem to be happy at all. I'm still one of the luckiest bastards that ever lived, man. I get to do this gig. I get to talk with you every day. I get to hang out with you. I get to get to be part of your life. And that is incredibly cool. And I am very grateful for that. So probably be the last time I talk about it for a while, unless, you know, I have something that reoccurs. Insurance is a nightmare. Get yourself a really good personal injury lawyer. Learn how to accept help. That's a big one, people. Learn how to accept help. Realize that even with the best intentions, you might not ever come back. But don't treat your scars like they're still wounds. To a point, you need to keep those as as reminders at the very least. Badges of honor, maybe even to a point. Of that, you can come back. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. I got a lot more with, with politics to get to today. I might even have some music. I might even have some music. We'll see. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
Ron, Ron Madden, one of our Chicago guys, coming in. Toyotas are very good cars. I had a small Toyota that was great, and the Chicago police stole it. <laughs> False ticketing. <laughs> Well, they don't have they don't have the safety feature to help you on that one. But I mean, if you're in an accident, I'll go with the Toyota. Uh, yeah, I will go with that. Absolutely. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Uh, from Blue Stem Prairie on Friday morning, Annalise Brought reported the Bemidji Bioneer that Representative Mott, Matt Grossel, Mott Grossel, Matt Grossel announces he will not seek re-election in 2024. After four consecutive terms in the Minneapolis, Minnesota House of Representatives, Matt Grossel, Republican from Clearbook, uh, announced on Friday that he will not be seeking re-election in 2024. Prior to joining the House of Representatives 20, in 2017, Grossel served as a Clearwater County Sheriff's deputy. Currently, he represents District 2A, which includes Lake of the Woods County as well as portions of Beltrami and Clearwater counties. In a news release, uh, Grossel noted his work on public safety blah 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 let's get to the points in 2019 Grossel was arrested for misdemeanor trespassing after he refused to leave a hospital after he was transported to after acting intoxicated and disorderly in the best western plus for Capitol Ridge in St. Paul you went and got schnockered at the best western in St. Paul dude man I can give you like 14 or 15 bars in St. Paul never mind on July 11, 2023, Grossel was sentenced to 90 days in jail in Clearwater County for a DWI for operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of alcohol, being cited on February 11, 2023, for driving while intoxicated in regardless of if you're a Democrat or Republican. If you can't figure it out, I've got very low tolerance for anyone who drinks and drives anymore. Uh, Grossel has been such an honor to represent my community in St. Paul for these last eight years. Shame you didn't do a damn thing for him. I mean, whatever. A sufficient amount of my time for one person to hold office, Grossel said. He can count to eight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I look forward to retirement in Alaska to be near family as well as the with better tax rates and better support for police. By the way, fun story. Any of the benefits you want, don't expect them in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but no, you'll have fun. And by the way, can we can we let's 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 talk about that for a second. You remember I told you about you know you can tell people are not happy. Mac Russell is clearly not happy. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave here. The best tax rates and better support for police. Goodbye. You know, like I said, I'm glad. At least Russell is going to go find his happy place. But we're not going to miss you. The, the, the best Western in St. Paul, maybe. Well, probably not. No, but we're not going to miss you, sir. Bon voyage. Hope you like the moose sausage. I hope you like, I hope you like basically 20 hours of darkness or 20 hours of light. Well, it depends on where you're at. I mean, if you go up the coast there a little bit, it gets to the 24-hour point there. Never really darkens up at all in summer and never really gets light in winter. But, hey, vampires like it. Um. Uh, Bluestem brought it, came, came come in here. They find it interesting. The dateline of the press release is clear book since Grossel sold his house there on September 5th. So he hasn't lived in Clearbrook, um, at least since September 5th. Bluestem, he learned from sources in the district that the home was for sale and that Grossel had moved out of the residence, possibly going up to a cabin in Itasca County owned by a nonprofit corporation, Ditch Bank Nimrod. I'm not making that up. The name of the nonprofit corporation is Ditch Bank Nimrod. Okay. 
He did not return phone calls from Bluestem about the Clearbrook property in his present location. That's the address of his campaign finance board candidate page of officers in contact tab. According to information from the Minnesota Department of Revenue, Reed and Abigail Sloan purchased the home for $115,000. There you go. Sounds like a good value. They have moved into the home. Have they moved into their new home? Is Grossel already snuggling up in Alaska? Has he moved to another address in the district or is enjoying the ditch bank Nimrod experience? <laughs> ditch bank Nimrod. If there is not a punk band in this town named Ditch Bank Nimrod by the end of the day, our city has failed. That is outstanding name for a punk band. Blue Stem sources in the district weren't willing to keep uh, the Clearwater House under surveillance. Does it matter where a candidate is? And this is actually a very good question. I don't know. Does it matter when where a candidate or elected member of the Minnesota legislature lives once the election period is over? I don't know. So because you while you're running, you have to kind of report where you live. And I don't think you have to be in. Well, actually, I think you have to be in an address to be in the Minnesota rep. You have to be in the district. So, but after the election, does it matter? I mean, because that's, I mean, and this is nothing against Grossel. I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, you have a spouse who gets transferred and you want to finish out, say, the last four months of your term, but technically your your address is in a different part of the state or out of the state or out of the country even, depending on the situation. So I don't know what the world, where it is on that one. Uh, Blue Stem didn't look into it. They received differing opinions on this, though none of those will contact Contacted were willing to go on the record regardless of the partisan affiliation. Some thought it didn't matter where a candidate lived in his or her district, while the others thought constituents might petition the court to have the person declared ineligible for office. I don't know if that's the case. Unlike residents during the election period, the question isn't directly addressed by the state constitution or by statute. Uh, there is one requirement about reporting a change of address. However, the address on, on file at the Minnesota Campaign Finance and Public Disclosure Candidate page must be updated within 20 days of moving, not for the, the sale, according. So the sale can happen, but as long as you know, you could have a contingency of the sale that I'm going to live here for five months and then after that I'm going to leave. So that could be the case. Um, if Grossel moved from a home he sold, Blue Stem sure hopes that they let the Campaign Finance Board know where he's at. Moreover, it doesn't seem to matter where he lives under the terms of the unsupervised probation of that Dewey. Um, Bluestem was told as he researched the question. So it, basically, he the DWI doesn't require him to live in a specific area or anything like that. What was your favorite Matt Grossel moment? I don't have one. All right, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Another blue, another uh, reformer story, which is just spectacular. The Republican Party in the state of Minnesota is in a mess. We'll talk about that. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. From the reformer where Dina Winter is over there, the best freaking journalist in this town, hands down right now. Uh, Minnesota Republicans haven't won a statewide race since 2006, and thus far, they've failed to recruit a serious 2024 challenger to run against Amy Klobuchar. Who wants to be run through the meat grinder? Uh, likely because candidates don't want to play the part of the sacrificial lamb. Uh, I would agree with that one. Uh, who who would want to run against Clover? You're, you're going to get trounced. You're going to get trounced. 
Um, I think there's actually far more interest in the for the Republicans in running in three in Dean Phillips' old seat than they are against running for for the Senate seat. During a Saturday meeting with the GOP State Central Committee, a group calling itself Rebuild the Minnesota GOP will try to remove the party leaders of the GOP, including party chair David Hahn. Han, Han, is he a Han? Han. Han, 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 Han. There you go. aren't expected to succeed. It's Han Solo. It's like Han Solo, only, you know, not cool or anything. Uh, they, they aren't expected to succeed, but it comes another distraction as the party tries to regroup following a series of electoral defeats culminating in the disa- devastating and disastrous 2022 election for the Minnesota G. That's when Democrats won a surprising trifecta and sp- spent the next six months turning Minnesota into a progressive model for the rest of the nation. Yeah, proud day. Uh, if this was a football team, we would be calling this a rebuilding year, said former GOP operative Michael Broadcorp, spot on. They hit rock bottom on election day. I would agree with that. Because they were they were thinking at worst they were going to hold the Senate. At worst they were going to hold the Senate. I think they looked at the Senate and was like, there is no way with the Senate demographics that we are going to lose that. And, and they did. And we talked about that when they brought out those new maps. I'm like – Okay, this is trouble for the Republicans. Those new maps are not good for them, and they're not going to get any better. So we'll have to see what happens there. Um, they aren't expected to succeed. Uh, excuse me, I should mention that they uh, going to move forward here on the story here. Uh, despite recent history, Republicans have at least some reasons for optimism. The likely GOP presidential nominee, Donald Trump, re- nearly won the state in 2016 – Kind of leaving out the 2020 thing, but sure, okay, fine. And a wave of Republican candidates rode his coattails to majorities in both the House and Senate that year. A recent MinPost poll showed Trump in a dead heat with President Joe Biden. I'm not buying that poll as as well. As a matter of fact, they got a poll out today, which kind of even once again just screams, okay, you clearly seem to have, even on on, on certain issues, you you clearly, like the gun violence issue is 60%. 60, I think it's like 80% of the state thinks gun violence is a, is a major issue. So that never got downplayed. But, I, yeah, like I said, I think that that poll is flawed. I mean, I've looked at the numbers and it just it doesn't add up. And plus the fact that it, it – it, and it's not – MinPost, don't take this wrong. It's not just you. I mean, they're having a fit trying to figure out how to get anyone under the age of 35 to take a poll nowadays. And so that's one of the reasons why – how many times have we had Republicans are going to win, Republicans embarrassed? I mean, those are kind of two alternate day, one day, next day. Those are the headlines. The war in Gaza has revealed deep divisions in the Democratic Farm and Labor Party, especially in the Senate, where more than a dozen members recently condemned Senator Ron Latch for comments he made about Palestinian children. Although the state Senate will not be in the ballot next year, House DFL margins a narrow 70-64 advantage. I'm not. I don't. By the way, I wouldn't think Grossel. Don't think Grossel seats a slam dunk for the Republicans. That district is. That is not exactly a an easy. That's not a slam dunk. That district two A could easily go to the DFL. Um, and the DFL, you better be finding someone up there to run because that's that's a district you need to be challenging in for sure. Republicans say a backlash is brewing against the 2023 sessions taxing and spending that looked took the state from a 17 billion dollar surplus to a potential budget deficit. But we just had another budget surplus. Never mind. Yeah, still, if Republicans are to win in Minnesota, they face some major challenges. We're just lost at Amy Koch, a Republican lobbyist and former Senate Majority Leader. 
I can't disagree with that. I don't know how we pull out of this. I think, you know, at one point, I mean, Amy, the more I hear from Amy nowadays, the more I think she's, she kind of is getting a lot of this stuff. So good for her. The reformer talked, a, talked to current and former GOP operatives who identified three broad problems, money, messaging, and mega. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big problem. I've got a tweet from Mary Francis I need to show you. <laughs> you know, because if I'm win- I'm looking for a winning message, I'll go you know, insulting the entire state. That's how you. That's how you clinch a victory, or clench, clench. That's how you clench. Yeah, that's right. Clenching. It's clenching. It's not clinching. It's clenching. That's what you're doing. <sighs> After a devastating 2022 election, Republicans were left reeling. Some big donors threatened to leave the state. And at one point this year, the party had <clears throat> 53 whole dollars in cash on hand and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debts. I mean, how many of those um, – how many pizzas is that? I mean, that's, that's like three pizzas, right? Is that three or – is it nowadays two? Yeah, that's not going to get you a lot of pizzas today. Little Caesars. You know, you, I mean, if you can eat, you know – just absolute crap pizza. You can get three from Little Caesars. Probably four of Little Caesars. Yeah, you might still be able to get five or six from them. We don't have like a Little Caesars contract that's out there for the station. Is it? We're not about to run ads here. <laughs> sure, hope not. <laughs> Boy, it's tasty. Yum. Anywho, uh, so 53 whole dollars on hand. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Once again, the party of fiscal responsibility. Han took over as chair of the party in 2021 after a federal sex trafficking scandal related to a predominant donor and allegations of a toxic work environment led to the fall of former chair Jennifer Grand Canyon Carnahan. Oh, if you haven't had one of those specialized tours of the Grand Canyon, those are phenomenal. You almost have to be, I don't know, a, a spouse of a politician to get one of those. Han promised to erase the party's debt, but hasn't been able to quite do that yet. He is, he's blamed in part on the cost of dealing with the Carnahan fallout and the subsequent litigation with her. She told party activists in a recent email that Han was merely deflecting the blame. I, you know, yeah, because you ran such a stellar operation. Uh, John Rollo, uh, R-O-U-L-E-A-U, John Rollo. Executive director of the Republican-aligned Minnesota Jobs Coalition said the state party had to pay Carnahan severance with a maxed-out line of credit. Federal Election Commission reports show that the party, with $145,000 cash on hand, $414,000 in debt, the most recent state campaign finance report, which doesn't include any of 2023 data, shows $8,000 whole dollars on hand and $76,000 in debt. So there you go. Rollo said donor interest has picked up and he expects the party to put up a decent fundraising numbers heading into 2024 after a sweeping loss. Donors natural reaction is to pull back and reassess, he said. But here's your problem. All right. Trump is the top of your ticket. And sure, give Dina credit to bring up the fact that in 2016 it was close. It's not going to be close again in the state of Minnesota. You know, it, it, trying to overthrow the government of the United States is not an endearing quality. And frankly, what I still see is on the DFL side, at least, is a motivated voter turnout, especially in Generation Z and late millennials, which is not something you can counterpunch. 
So you're, you've got an anchor at the top of the, the thing for you guys. Then you're not running someone against Klobuchar. At least no one right now has decided to be the sacrificial lamb against Klobuchar. And, and even if you do have someone, say you get someone who's got some name recognition, Michelle Tafoy, I'm, not, I'm just saying it because I'm, I'm kind of wondering if that's, you know, if, if she was, the, you know, with her, you know, jumping into Republican politics a little bit, if she, that was kind of her plan. I don't see her knocking off Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar is wildly popular. Even in Republican districts, Amy Klobuchar is wildly popular. So, you know, it, and it's only going, and once again, you only have the House up for re-election. And the House map is worse than the Senate map for the Republicans. So, I'm, I'm you know, I, I said this when I saw that map. When I saw these two maps, the New Minnesota House and the New Minnesota Senate map, and I said to myself, okay, I'm not saying the Republicans can't couldn't get control but it would t- have to take a tremendously bad year for the DFL for that to happen. And I don't see any hint right now the DFL is resting on their laurels. They're getting ready to run and run hard in 2024. So, and once again, it's, it's, it's sure, will there be some people who are Republicans who will vote for Klobuchar and then go back to the Republican side of the ticket? Sure, sure, undeniably. But, yeah. Um, the Republican insider who was granted an anonymity to speak candidly about internal party manners said Han is capable in his credibility with the donor class, and it's not fair to attribute the party's money problems to him. Replacing him with a right-wing zealot would put the party in dire straits, he said. Couldn't agree more. If you, I'm going to say this seriously as just a guy that's stepping back and looking at the political thing. If the Republicans have any chance at all, it's with David Han as the leader. You got no chance whatsoever if one of these loon bag, nutball, far right MAGA guys becomes the leader of the Republican Party. It's going to be just like what's going on in Michigan right now, where it's an absolute. They're they're all looking for for anything floating in the water they can jump onto to try to survive. Any chair would be in this current situation. He said, "If you think the four hundred fourteen thousand dollars in debt is bad now, just wait till you get zero dollars coming in the door." I agree with that. Co contributes fundraising woes to bad messaging from bad candidates. She said Republicans who are tired of the DFL trifecta and woke nonsense need to stop putting up candidates who can't win and stop with the horrible messaging. May I make a suggestion? Stop with the woke stuff. You guys have been screaming that for a while, and it just is it's something that only resonates with Republicans. When you say woke. Most independents and Democrats don't care. Immediately shut down because it's easy to see. It's a tell that's easy to see. You're only trying to address the far right. It's not something people want to give money to when you're just angry all the time and you don't stand for anything and you're not winning. Agreed. And you have campaigns that are put up there that are not ready for prime time and they're not, they don't represent their districts and they're just saying wackadoodle things, she said. Agreed. Nobody wants to give money to that. Agreed. Spot on analysis. Rather than focusing on opposition to the DFL's wide-ranging legislative agenda this year, for instance, some Republicans were busy comparing Biden to Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, claiming there is no hungry people in Minnesota, ranting about schools teaching going to, teaching kids to be gay, calling COVID-19 vaccine death shots, and claiming the 2020 election was stolen. 
Uh, yeah, those are not winning things. But hey, did you see the video from Heartland Signal about the two Republicans talking about, you know, we don't really need to feed all the kids, do we? Um, Broadcorp said some Republicans learned from their mistakes, like 2020 GOP nominee for Governor Scott Jensen, who said the party needs to approach issues, most notably abortion, with more realistic understanding of Minnesota's attitudes. Jensen still, however, continues to raise money off his doctors against vaccines persona. I think the party is slowly climbing out, Broadcorp said. A de-emphasis on the caucuses and party endorsements, which tend to elevate the party's most radical voices, and an early primary election in June would avoid a lot of the crazy and attract more mainstream candidates, the GOP insider said. Agreed. Elected officials aren't keen on the early primary, however, because they're in the Capitol into May, they're restricted from fundraising. The GOP source blames social media for giving bat blank crazy people a place to communicate spread misinformation and organize oh yeah and once again there is no party loyalty with these republicans this is all about their likes and retweets of the the, their, their internet troll followers on their own internet social sites that is you how you guys allowed these people to become candidates i don't know but that is that's they're only in it for their likes and retweets and follows. Um, the Rolo with the Jobs Coalition said the party should focus on the strengths uh, or Rulo Rulo with, on focus on the strengths and turns to others for help in the post citizens united age of super PACs. He thinks state parties should focus on finding volunteers, getting out the vote, and planning conventions. Han has worked to. Engage the grassroots during a massive tour around the state. He has said his missteps, though. He has uh, promoted a right-wing activist connected to a January 6th interaction that held an event in Sauk Rapids, honky-tonk with Confederate memorabilia. (laughs) That's exactly what we don't need, Broadcorp said. The party still has to stay away from stuff like that. And it should. The party needs to focus on rebuilding, re-examining its goals, and reprioritizing, Broadcorp said, or it will have a credible problem with donors and difficulty attracting quality candidates. The party needs to prove it's worth investing in. Koch is dismayed at what she, the party has become. Conventions, she said, used to be fun and even amid insurgent candidates. She chaired the 2008 dumpster fire of a convention when an influx of new people showed up to support libertarian icon Ron Paul, but some of his supporters stuck around afterwards to get involved in the party. I like new people in the party, said, but this is just angry people. Why would anybody want to get engaged with the party? You just go to these conventions and everyone's just yelling at each other. And we supposedly believe most of these things like conservative principles, fiscal common sense, strong national defense, uh, communist Russia is bad. It used to be that way. Not anymore. Now, however, it's all about Trump, she said. Now, and, and by the way, Amy, you shouldn't criticize yourself in 2008. That was that was uh, Ron Paul saw the weakness within the Republican system. And he went out there and exploited it masterfully. And the reason why you guys are in this mess is a twofold. It's one that in twenty in two thousand four. And don't get me wrong, I can go back and you forget about Newt Gingrich. Now, if you're looking at the modern problems that they're having in two thousand four, Dick Cheney and Karl Rove, desperate to get foot soldiers to get W reelected, embraced the far right fringe groups. And the second they did that, they weren't going to go away. Henceforth, the very next election, Sarah Palin was the vice presidential candidate, and then Ron Paul saw that he could drive the Republican Party to the extreme far right by just taking over the state conventions and primaries and caucuses, and he did, and he did it with a scalpel, and you guys have been buried underneath that ever since. The fringe is never what runs the party. We have to have messages and messengers that bring the people back who've left. 
the every door normal fiscal conservative Republicans. We have to get back to the basics and get people organized and showing up. Well, it does not help you having Mary Franson out there calling everyone is, is there you know, calling the entire population weak people. It does not help you to have two of your senators out there talking about, well, do we really need to feed kids? Give it up, man. Those are done issues. That's a done issue for you. That's not one you're going to get a winner category. And I get it. It bugs you that taxpayers are paying for all that the, the, the playing field has been leveled, that there is no longer haves and have nots. Everyone has meals. But that's that's you're not going to undo that. You need to, and but you see, is the problem is is that something that you 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 think you can get traction in and get? I don't generally do this. Let me give a piece of advice to the Republicans: Stop trying to get clicks on freaking Twitter. Stop trying to get clicks on on Truth Social. If you guys stop that and start approaching this like you guys used to. Yeah, you could be a threat to the DFL. But as long as the clown car brigade is leading your party, <laughs> go team go. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I've got a great song to end out this week with. We'll listen to that when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Remember I was talking earlier about going out to Lake Minnewashta? There were people out freaking ice fishing on that lake, man. There were people out on that lake ice fishing. What are you doing, man? You know, even if it was not a winter that I would describe with words I can't say on air, I'd want to know what the heck they were doing. I, you know, I wouldn't go on a lake in this state before... Maybe if it was, as you said, Thanksgiving, it turns cold, stays cold. We're highs maybe at 32, 33, below zero or below freezing after that overnight. December 20th or so, maybe around there. But that's not what we're – we have 50 freaking degrees out there. What are you doing? Be careful. They actually had – where was the lake where they had a – Anoka County Sheriff's Office shared video – uh, there is ice thickness about, um, they rescued a coordinated rescue on the lake of Nalvin on sa- Sunday afternoon. Two men were ice fishing when they fell through the ice at around three 30. That's North of us. That's North of us. What are you doing? Be careful out there. Ugh. All right. Um, native roots radio. I'm awake. That comes up next. We are going to take the weekend off. We will back, be back on a Monday. Uh, how about this? Rick James. Damn right. There you go. Dancing in the weekend with the super freak himself, Matt McNeil. Have a fantastic weekend. We are back on a Monday. Until then, see ya.